Welcome to Off Screen. I'm Van Connor. And I'm Bex Perfect. And this is your seven day guide to everything movies. Boom. Ooh, that boom resonates through me, Bex, always. So, uh, well, I want to be able to tell you we've got some, some good stuff to cover this week. I would love to. Unfortunately, we have to review two movies straight off the bat. And I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to soften the blow for you in advance and tell you these are not going to be strong recommendations, to put it mildly. Um, Van, I did not expect to jump on this podcast with a Debbie Downer today. This is is not what I'm here for, but I suppose it's out of your control. We have a duty to our wonderful listeners to tell them about it anyway, because someone might find it interesting. Am I right? What's it? I'm managing expectations. That's all it is. So... But this is going to confuse you because of what I've just said and the film I'm about to start talking about, but bear with me. Okay, so the first movie we've got to talk about is called Baby Teeth. Now, this opens in cinemas today, Friday the 14th. It is an Australian movie. It stars Ben Mendelsohn. It stars Eliza Scanlon. You remember from, from Little Women? Yeah. She was like the only, she was like the only unknown out of the four girls yeah. in uh, in Little Women. Um, and it, uh, was it Essie, uh, Essie Davis? Davis, I think, is it Essie yeah, Davis? Yeah. I think Essie as well. Davis. Um, Essie Davis as well. So the idea here is you've got a young girl, Miller, Australian, say Australian drama, young girl, Miller, teenage sort of school girl. She's terminally ill. She meets by chance one day a young, a roguish drug dealer who's kind of like 22 ish. She's, you know, still young, but he's older, older by her standards. So she's like inappropriately old for her. And their relationship meets with something of, you know, an ire from her parents. And, you know, every parent's worst nightmare as they embark on this relationship. Meanwhile, her parents have issues of their own. And, you know, I'm just going to take it away with a sample of exactly how this plays out sort of tonally for you. Your hair's like, uh... What? Your hair's like bangles or something. Bangles? Like, with the light, it's like bangles. It's... Bam. Yours is nice, too. Yeah, but look at this. Look at that, see? I cut myself, see? I had to get on, like, a weird angle to get to that bit. Can I feel? Yeah. See, it's a snake skin. Okay, so a couple of points that I want to raise. So Mm -hmm. don't ask me until I've raised these two points, okay? By all means, by all means. Number one, I feel like this is trying to be an Australian version of the very popular John Green adaptations of like A Fault in Our Stars and things like that, right? The the, the premise of a, a young girl who's seriously ill does, 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 meets her. So you can correct me whether or not I'm wrong on that in a minute. But also, my second point is, do you not like this because you are not the target audience for this? Uh, no, 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 it's not that I'm not the target audience for this. Uh, it's uh, and, and no, to be honest, it doesn't try and specifically cash in on the whole John Green kind of Faulkner stars. You know, uh, what was the one with the Amanda Stenberg where she was like trapped in a, in a house behind the glass? Remember that? Oh, yeah. yeah. You remember the I one mean, like, like two or three years ago? Yeah, all of which I cried my eyes out to. So, I mean, you yeah. know, th- those kind of movies hit a nerve in a weird way. Mm-hmm. Not- so let me, let, me, let me just go through the points on this one. First of all, I... I was bored to tears during this. I actively loathed this movie. Uh, when I, I, all I'd heard about it in advance, I'd seen the poster, and all I'd heard of, all I'd heard was was a bunch of critics telling me, "Actually, this is very good." So you know, decent expectations. I went into it, I watched it, and I'm mystified. I, I, I am genuinely mystified. Um, the the critical praise that has been heaped on this is example five thousand and twelve of simply mistaking pretension for depth. Apparently, this is a dramedy. This is a comedy drama. Um, the drama's ineffectual. The comedy's non-existent. I don't know what the hell anyone was talking about. I've heard people talk about, oh, oh, I was in floods of tears by the end. Yes, so was I. I suspect for very different reasons. Only mine were real. So, um, 35 minutes into this, I was so resoundingly bored, so completely uninterested. I began to feel sorry, actually sorry, 
for the tree producing oxygen that was keeping me alive at that moment. It is unfathomably... It's all over the shop. I mean, it's it's babblingly incoherent at times. It, it's brought to you with this sort of pretentious... I mean, don't know, it's just distinctive. It's very distinctive, you know, in terms of how they're structuring it. But once you get past the novelty that this has been brought to you by, you know, Ariel Bold in all caps and the good people at, you know, everything has meaning if shot handheld... There is nothing going on here. I mean, how anybody gave Ben Mendelsohn this script and he read it, oh, yeah, there's this a wonderful film in this, is beyond me. I can see why it was popular at festivals, because it's the same kind of bourgeois BS that you only find there. It is thunderingly dull. Nobody, no sentient, popcorn-munching member of the adult cinema-going public will willingly part with money to see this ever. And you know what? That's exactly why it's got good critical reviews. And there we have it, ladies and gentlemen. If you have missed a rant from the wonderful Van Connor, you have got it right back, right here, right now, due to baby teeth. <laughs> it, is, it is, for me, proof that not only is there a hell, it has a film industry. I, flat out. I particularly liked your, your little line about the trees producing oxygen to keep you alive. I mean, I, I just enjoyed that little that little rant. So, ladies and gents, Baby Teeth, it's out there for you to see. You can enjoy it in terms of what all the other critics enjoyed, or you can loathe it in the way that Van Connor has just announced it is loathable. So, my suggestion is, is give it a whirl and see which side of the just, you sit on. It's just people in rooms saying words. That's all it is. I'm just, I'm watching it thinking, I'm sorry, at any point, am I meant to give the faintest kind of a toss about any of the people existing within this universe? Because I don't. Quite frankly, the fact that one of these characters is terminally ill makes me actually envious of them. Seriously. (laughs) Right, ladies and gents, I think we should move swiftly on after that one. Um, I'm hoping that we get into something a little bit better with the Jamie Foxx and Joseph Gordon-Levitt movie, Project Power. Van, where are you going with this one? I'm Project Power was just picked up by Netflix under the original title, Power, and then expanded for some reason to include the project. Uh, this is directed by Henry Joost and Ariel Schulman. Schulman, Schulman, who brought us Paranormal Activity, I think, three and four, and then Nerve. Remember Nerve? We talked yeah, about a few weeks ago. Nerve, yeah. Mm. Best, the way I would describe this is think X-Men or Marvel's Inhumans shot like Nerve. That would be the way to describe it. Okay. 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 So the idea is it's set present day New Orleans there is a drug on the streets it's a sort of uh, you know technologically enhanced pill that you twist you swallow and for five minutes it will give you superpowers you don't know what those powers are until you take the thing and there's no guarantee you'll get said powers there's an equal chance you'll simply blow up instead and into this mix comes Jamie Foxx, who's a mysterious character seeking out the source of the drug. You've got a young teenage girl drug dealer who's come, become mixed up in this somehow as well. And you've got Joseph Gordon-Levitt as a cop who basically thinks that if the bad guys have this level of, of, uh, of power in their hands, it's only fair the cops have the same abilities. Come on, Frank, we got to help him. You already did help him. You brought him here. You're not paying attention. He's using you. What, and you don't? At least he's being honest about it. Come on. All right, tell him what you told me. Go on. No, come on, please. You can't give up. Go. You cannot give up. I look like your daddy or so. It's okay. This sounds like it's got a bit of meat on the bone. Um, I didn't... When you think about the cast list, Jamie Foxx, you think about Joseph Gordon-Levitt, and you think about the title, which is Project Power, the, I was thinking of a totally different... <laughs> <No>. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and this, this has surprised me. And it surprised me when you discuss, discussed the, uh, the synopsis of this. I was like, what? Say what now? Uh, which immediately gets me quite interested in it. Machine Gun Kelly is also in this as well. I don't know. If yes, he, yep, yep. It is proving himself to be quite a good actor. But um, yeah, I, this sounds good. This sounds like, like a bit like Limitless meets the X-Men kind of thing. Little, little bit. Now, that's that's conceptually, yes, very much so. Now, in execution, what you do feel like is 
you do feel like you're watching something quite televisual that has just been given over to inherently cinematically minded filmmakers. Having sat through specifically recently because of the end of the, the show having ended this week, I've revisited a lot of Marvel's Agents of Shield, so I've literally seen this story played out relatively recently with the whole Inhumans thing. Um, there's a bit of Iron Man 3's extremist storyline in there as well. Um, you've got New Orleans itself, which obviously because it's there has to involve a certain level of thematic calling back to you know Katrina. The obvious logistical reason as to why this is filmed in New Orleans, as we pretty much all know at this stage, is because you know Nola tax credits for the win, yo. Um, but then you get to the film itself, and outside of the concept, if I, before I get to this, sorry, think Bright. Do you remember Bright, the David Ayer movie with yes. Will Smith? Anti-hero, yeah. yeah. This is very, very comparable in nearly every way, in fact. Very similar setup, very similar tone, very similar level of intelligence going, going for it. Um, and also, it's about as monosyllabic, and that's the problem there. Oh, okay. It's very, very thinly written as regards character. Uh, particularly Jamie Foxx, who's just basically showing up and giving his usual, you know, I'm too cool to be, to be trying with this routine basically the same thing if you've ever seen an interview with Jamie Foxx you've seen that personality yeah, he puts yeah, on it's, it's yeah. that you know when he can't be bothered and he does it in films sometimes you can play it for laughs if you're doing horrible bosses it can work but it's not a lead performance in a film. It's not something... I, I don't like Jamie Foxx as a lead anyway, outside of maybe Ray, which okay. you know, he deserved the Oscar for. Uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt doesn't fare too much better. But you know what? They're both victims of writing that you best describe as basically functional. It's very stylish, though. It's very slick, very cool, great visuals. Um, I, I did come away wondering why genre action films continue to rely on container shipping yards the way that superhero TV shows do abandoned warehouses. But uh, other than that, you know, it's it's slick. It's on Netflix, so, you know, you're not particularly going to be going out of your way and, and you know, losing your temper because you wasted ticket money on it. Uh, it's also, what, it's about an hour and 50, I think, about an hour 45, so it's, it's not just, the longest film in the world. Yeah, yeah. okay. So um, let's round up just to end this uh, Movies on Digital for you guys. Um, Project Power, how many thumbs up? One. One. Okay, that's good. You're kind of, that's still a recommendation. Mm. And Baby T, how many thumbs? I'd, I would rather hack both my thumbs off and jab them through okay. my eyes than ever see Baby Teeth again. Yeah, thought that was going to go down that route. Brilliant. Okay, so coming up next, we have movies on TV. We're going to move well away from digital right now because I think that is the safest option. See you shortly. Welcome back to Offscreen. I promise I'm going to cheer up now. We've got more fun things to talk about. I can smile again. It's all good. We've done the, the hipster festival movie. We've done the Netflix superhero one. Let's go on to Movies on Freeview. And let's start Saturday, 7.25pm, five star, with a classic and very much of the moment, I think. It's Outbreak, the uh, Wolfgang Peterson 1994, Dustin Hoffman, Kevin Spacey, Rene Russo, Morgan Freeman, Donald Sutherland. Uh, did I say Cuba Gooding Jr.? Thriller about yeah. the, uh, the, the, the 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 monkey virus. Yes, the Mataba the Mataba virus. It's a, a deadly virus that was taken from a monkey from an African rainforest, and basically it starts infecting everyone. So you've got a small group of scientists who might be able to <laughs> to find a cure. Now the thing is, before we cut to a clip on this one, is um, you know the reason why Van's so happy about it is because we're we're now going back to his heyday here. This is this movie was out in 1995. So it's the... So it's it's the golden era, which I knew after we thought we'd lose Van down to a very tragic black hole of (laughs) dire, dismal despair. We're back. So enjoy it. This is Outbreak. Why in God's name would you keep me out of there? It's a civilian matter, Sam. That's bull****. CDC is on it. Let them do their job. Besides, we don't have a charter. Oh, the charter, Billy. It's not about a charter. People are dying. It's about you being a doctor. It's about that sacred oath that we took, remember? Billy, we've been friends for 20 years. Yes, we're friends, Sam, but I'm also your boss. I run this outfit. It's not run by committee. You do what the hell I say do. I'm your boss. I have my boss. Is that clear to you? Yeah, get your boss on the phone. 
Call up McClintock. Tell him to put me on a plane before the two of you kill a lot of people. Remember when you saw this movie back in the 90s and you thought, it makes no sense that the people in charge of managing this outbreak would be so irresponsible and pay so little attention to scientists. Ha, how naive we were. How naive. But what I am staring at is a load of YouTube videos of the, which are doctors reacting to the film Outbreak. And, and one of them have their heads in their hands, which would suggest that it wasn't scientifically correct. And I don't want my bubble to be burst around this. I do love Outbreak. That's <laughs> it. Uh, so I don't want to know. I mean, obviously, I think Contagion was the one that was the scientifically grounded one. Yes. And uh... um, R numbers, social distancing, you know, yeah. words we are so familiar with in today's society. Do- Good Lord. Doesn't Contagion literally end with a bat flying into a warehouse full of pigs and that sort of revealed how that's how the virus spread or something? Yes. Yeah, you kind of get a rewind on how everything yeah. kind of connected. Although the way that it's a Soderbergh film, isn't it? It's the way that it kind of mm. goes through from the beginning is you see very choice shots of of a woman touching a credit card, a waitress, sorry, touching a credit card to then swipe that through a machine and it's that chain connection Mm. of everything. Look, that's great. Outbreak is a lot of fun for what it is, you know? It is perfect for the 90s. It is not in any way, and I can't believe this, but it is not in any way scientifically correct. Who knew? (laughs) Also, it does have that really great sequence, though, which I think no, no movie has ever filled me with dread the same way this one did. With that sequence in the cinema, when you see the virus spreading in airborne form through the cinema and you see the particles emerge yeah. into the air and it then becomes like first person as a as a particle of an infected cell and it's an incredible sequence that uh, I think uh, a lot of cinema chains should have paid slightly more attention to of late but uh, specifically regarding the whole debate as to whether or not you should wear masks in cinemas it's like they forgot that this movie existed but you know what see for yourself and get terrified all over again with a rousing 90s film as I say Wolfgang Peterson really delivered the goods on this one uh, yeah. five stars Saturday, 7.25pm. Okay, moving swiftly on to Sunday. Another great movie, a little bit later in in time frames here. So this is 2017. This is Kong Skull Island on ITV2, 8pm. Both Van and myself are big fans of this. So basically, King Kong, yes, we all love him. He comes back in lots of different ways, shapes and forms, thanks to different filmmakers. This time, it's up to Jordan Vogt Roberts, who is directing this movie. And it follows a crew that reaches Skull Island to essentially do some research and to map it out um, and it they're attacked by surprise surprise a humongous ape um, the survivors that are within the island then basically come together to find out more about the ape the island's natives and the underground monsters that exist yeah you smell that that's death what the hell is this place this is what's left of Kong's parents I've taken enough photos of mass graves to recognize one. The crash site's just on the other side of this valley. We'll cross through and make it to the highest point west. Uh Uh-huh. This place is a real no-no, sir. We need to be going to the north side right now. And you're welcome to do that, my man. By yourself. I'm not leaving Jack out there. Now, who's with me? We can make it. You're mighty right we can make it. Now, stay sharp. Keep an eye out. I've only been here 28 years. What do I know? So that's the thing we've, we've, we've neglected to mention as well. This was a, a, a 70s set period piece. It's drenched in Vietnam uh, iconography and the soundtrack and things like that. Um, uh, the interesting thing for me about uh, Kong Skull Island is this is the second chapter of the cinematic universe that began with Gareth Edwards' 2014 Godzilla. And I think after Godzilla, we didn't expect an awful lot. And then we saw Kong Skull Island, Jordan Vogt Roberts, and you just, okay, wow, this has got a lot more going for it than we would have expected. John Goodman in in this, pretty good. Uh, Sam Jackson playing a very different kind of role for him, actually. Hold up. I hate that you said that we wouldn't expect much after Gareth Edwards's... um, Edwards or Evans? Gareth Edwards... Uh, Evans is the raid. Edwards is Godzilla yeah. slash Rogue so, One. Gareth Edwards is Godzilla. I loved that Godzilla. Really? Yeah, it's the Sam Taylor Johnson one, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, Aaron Taylor Johnson. Aaron Taylor. Yes. Sorry. Yes. 
Um, I loved it because it felt very much of a homage th through to the original and I felt like, oh, oh, stop it, stop it. I can see you're just teetering on wanting to I just over me on this. Look, we, we differ. There was a lot of critics that differed on this. I was in the camp that loved it. Leave me alone. I just, I, I would just rather my Godzilla movies had some Godzilla in them. You know, oh, yeah, just, but I quite like the It seems like a basic requirement. Oh, the tension building was great. Leave it alone. Anyway, we're not talking about that. We're talking about Kong, so it's moved on. We've yeah. got Kong. <laughs> it's got some Kong in it. It's got Kong in it, at least. It's got Kong in it, yeah. Um, we've got Kong, yeah, right, with the whole kind of Vietnam. I think it's just slightly post-Vietnam that it's set, mm. uh, post-war. And do you know what? I, again, I feel like this didn't get the praise that it deserved. Oh, no. Um, it's very underplayed. So there's, there's two very good kind of movies within this sort of cinematic universe that plays out really well. Amazing cast, as you mentioned. You mentioned Dr. John Goodman there. I loved hearing John C. Riley talking. We've also got um, Brie Larson, Tom Hiddleston. I really enjoy, and I haven't seen much of him lately, but Toby Kibble, um, Keeble on this. Uh, he plays, um, he's he's Jack or something in this. I can't remember who he yeah, is in this. He never seems to catch a break. Now, I'm a fan of the guy from yeah. The Sorcerer's Apprentice. I think he's great fun in The Sorcerer's Apprentice, which is like one of my favourite movies of the last like 15 years. It's one of my go-to sort of popcorn flicks. Um, but other than, outside of that movie, he never seems to catch a break. No. Every time you see Toby Kebbell turn up in a movie, you you find yourself just thinking, uh-huh, at what point are they just going to like, you know, cut his screen time, write him out of it, kill him off, cut his scenes. It's a bit of an injustice, isn't it? It's a bit of an yeah. injustice. He's really good. The entire film industry seems to hate Toby Kebbell. I cannot figure this out. He must be one of Hollywood's bad boys. He must be an Alex Pettifer and really difficult to work with. That might must be, be that. it. Um, anyway, we're digressing. Basically, Kong Skull Island, it's on your telly box on um, Sunday on ITV2 at 8 o'clock. It's a perfect Sunday night movie. It will get you excited. It will give you that action. Those big. If you've got a big telly, it's got the big effects that you're after that you're probably missing from the cinema. And it's a great, great story. So, yeah, and I love the period feel of it as well. I think that works really, really well in this. So uh, I'm really excited about it. I'm going to re-watch it on Sunday night. I'm excited. Stick around after the uh, end credits as well on this one. Yeah, big time, big time. Right, okay, moving on. We've got another one back more down to reality. But um, a lot of us will be doing a lot more of this as the days go by and the months go by and the weeks go by it's of course cycling but how do you put cycling into a movie well you call it premium rush it's on sony movies at 11 25 p.m and you stick joseph gordon levitt in it don't you ran indeed in fact for the longest time i kept referring to this exclusively as the joseph gordon levitt mountain biking thriller which is <laughs> the best the best reductive title you can give it he is uh, willie he is a bike courier in manhattan who finds himself pursued by a co corrupt cop played by michael shannon who wants his hands on a package that our hero is transporting you believe in luck yeah but you know as the taoists that believed in luck the buddha rejected all that he insisted on cause and effect what kind of bike messenger are you? <laughs> you still haven't answered my original question. Aren't you afraid of dying? I mean, the way you ride... Now, you want to know what scares me is what happened to my friends who just got out of law school? That is collective insanity. Compared to that, going down Broadway at 50 with no brakes is fine. Sounds good. The bike wants to go fast. It's steadier that way. I've never been hurt going all out. It's just the, the hesitation that'll kill you. So you're one of those guys. No breaks. No, I hate breaks. Breaks mm. and death. I'm just going to put it out there that if there is a reason to hunt and try and kill Joseph Gordon-Levitt in this movie, it's more like more believably because he's the kind of guy that sits around a bar on a Friday night talking about Taoist philosophies. But other than that, I quite like the film. I thought you were going to say it's more because he starred in Project P uh, Power. <laughs> that too, that too. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I struggled a bit with this film, if I'm completely honest. I know a lot of people love it. It's non-linear, isn't it? It's all a bit continent uh, chronology-wise. Yeah. It is all over the shop. It is, and I, I, you know, I need to be hooked from the first 15 minutes, especially something that, and I know you kind of see him cycling, and you've got that energy like from the beginning, and he's cycling and weaving in and out of cars at the mm. beginning. It didn't really do it for me. I'm not into cycling. I don't really. Care about couriers that much and um, you know how do you make a movie out of it it was a bit of a weird one for me I love that you say that like couriers have fans I know, but, you know, I mean, 
But, but why would someone think that this is a good concept for a movie? I mean, I'm all for being taken, you know, proven wrong. And I'm sure I am with this because a lot of people did like it. I just, it just, the concept just didn't grab me I at all. I think, if memory served, I'm sure Joseph Gordon-Levitt, whilst doing some of the cycling stunts, for this, seriously injured himself, like cut his leg open or something. Oh, my God. I'd have, to, I'd have to look into that. But you know what? I, for me, it's a, it's a tight and tidy, fast-paced thriller. The, the non-linear thing's a bit annoying. But you know what? You can find out for yourself. 11.25 Sony Movies Monday night and uh, well I think that's, that's a pretty good roster for your three day weekend there maybe three day weekend for three days yeah it's a good start to the working week that's following up so we'll be back very shortly with more movies on TV to keep you going as the weeks go by Welcome back to Off Screen. We're keeping you on that couch. We're keeping you on Freeview. We're giving you more cinematic goodness. And you know what's 20 this year, Max? No. It's, it's Ridley Scott's Gladiator is 20 years old this year. And you can see it Tuesday nights on Five Star at 9pm. And of course, we all know the story of Gladiator. It's the general who became a slave, the slave who became the gladiator, the gladiator who defied an empire, demonstrated thusly. Will you remove your helmet and tell me your name? My name is Maximus Decimus Meridius, commander of the armies of the North, general of the Felix Legions, loyal servant to the true emperor, Marcus Aurelius, father to a murdered son, husband to a murdered wife, and I will have my vengeance in this life or the next. You know what? When you look up this movie, the first thing that it says is it says people also ask, is Gladiator based on a true story? And <clears throat> it's loosely based on real events within the Roman Empire. So it's, but who cares? It's an amazing film. It's like, <laughs> it has also aged me massively by you saying it's 20 years old. <laughs> um, do you know what? I went to go and watch this with the full orchestra at the Royal Albert Hall. Ooh, that'd be cool. It was stunning. Absolutely. It yeah, it was like the, like Enya, everything, just you know, perfect. I think Enya actually rocked up for this, which was incredible, and did her piece. Um, but yeah, it, this is like you just played the most iconic clip. You played the thing that everyone knows it about. Everyone and- says it, don't they? Well, it's that or uh, what we do in life echoes in eternity. It's that or the yeah, other, isn't it? exactly. But do you know what? The cast, Russell Crowe, Oscar winner. Joaquin Phoenix, now Oscar winner. Uh, mm-hmm. Connie Nielsen's in there. Oliver Reed, the late, great Oliver Reed. The big controversy around this movie. And also the pushing in terms of technology. Oliver Reed sadly died mid-filming and they had to digitally recreate for the first time ever uh, some of his role. And that was incredible to kind of see. You just don't notice it, do you? I- I'm disappointed you left Omid Jalili off your cast list. I'm not okay. going to lie. But uh, <laughs> isn't he like the slave trader, Omid Jalili? Yeah. Jaiman uh, Honsu's in this as well, I think, yes. as well. Yeah. Oh. Uh, Great cast. Great yeah. cast. And, and future Marvel TV villain Spencer Treat Clark as uh, Connie Nielsen's son and, and Joaquin Phoenix's nephew. But uh, he would eventually become uh, Werner von Strucker, I think, in yeah. the, uh, the Marvel verse. But Gladiator, when it came out, it was not expected to be a huge thing. I remember it was filmed in Malta. I remember it was, it was a huge thing for tourism around the time mm. as well. Uh, it just turned out to be this surprise hit and then went on to win Best Picture, which I don't think anyone saw coming. But also, it revived the sword and sandals kind yes. of epic which at yeah. that point had died off we just hadn't had it it also made a star out of russell crowe even though he'd been in things he'd been in uh, la confidential three years earlier but nobody particularly thought of him as a household name because of it it's this is what made russell crowe's career what it is today entirely this film yeah 100 percent. and guys if you haven't watched it in a while because i will assume that everyone listening here has at least seen this movie once. I've seen it, maybe not just not in years, yeah. Yeah, but if you haven't watched it in years, good Lord, that is your Monday, uh, your Tuesday night sorted. Uh, five star, 9pm, do not miss it. It is worth every second of your time. Right, moving on to midweek, or <laughs> something very different. Um, We're the Millers is on ITV2 at 9pm. Um, if anyone wants to see um, Jennifer Aniston doing her little sort of stripper pole dance, uh, the striptease. I forgot about that. <laughs> this is the movie for you. Um, this, for me, a great cast. We've got um, 
Oh, who is it? We've got Ed. Uh, we've got Will Paul. Ed Helms is the Ed Helms is the villain. Yeah, and Jason Sudeikis is the good guy. It's usually the other way around, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It's so confusing. So obviously, we've got Jennifer Aniston. We've also got Emma Roberts there, and Will Poulter, which I was like, yes, he's broken Hollywood with this movie. He's brilliant in this. <laughs> so this is um, the story about a drug dealer who was forced by his boss to smuggle drugs from Mexico. He hires a stripper, a petty thief, and a teenage neighbor, and they form a fake family to help him smuggle the drugs. It's your obvious choice for. Uh, what you're going to watch on a Wednesday night. Here's a clip. No, I'm good. I got it right over here. Thanks. Thank you. Sorry. Honey, hi. Uh, you made it. Mm-hmm. Eat it. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Okay. Wow, you look really like a Don't. Young. Just don't. All right. Okay. Hi, Mom. Jesus. Mm-hmm. And who's that? Uh, what, uh, that's your daughter, Casey. Hey. Mm-hmm. I want 30000 now. Okay, have a safe life. What? No, okay. Fine. Fine. Blood sucker. Mm. All right. Happy wife, happy life. Hi, kids. <laughs> Do you know what? The thing that comes up on awards about this film, so obviously Gladiator, which we were just previously spoken, best picture at the Oscars. Da, 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 da. Mm. This, the top line is awards. MTV Movie Award for Best Kiss. <laughs> Who's, hang on, who's Kiss? I don't remember. I don't even know. I, I remember Jennifer Aniston and Catherine Hahn Kiss at one maybe point. That in this, I think. Maybe, maybe that's maybe that's it. Yeah. But sometimes um, that's all the credibility you need for a movie. I really enjoyed this movie. I always thought it was quite funny. I did as well. It, I think it was it was it was so much funnier than you expected because it looked like a very nuts and bolt off the assembly line, ninety minutes sort of new line Warner Brothers kind of a comedy, and then you saw it and it was actually there was there was just there was about ten percent more substance to it than you would have expected and just a great supporting cast um no rugrats or whatever it was the tattoo regrets regrets yeah that tattoo that just became a thing i think this is the first time i really enjoyed emma roberts or actually seen emma roberts in a role and anything and i was so happy that will poulter and his eyebrows had gone mainstream oh that filled me with joy and that great spider bite gag which haunts me to this day i can't recommend this one highly enough uh 9 p.m itv2 on wednesday uh let's go to thursday though and one that i know you will have seen um question i I don't know how you feel about this because this is quite divisive this one uh 10 past 11 itv4 thursday night inglorious b-word i'm not sure what we can say and what we can't there so inglorious b-word the uh the tarantino world war ii movie in which uh brad pitt leads his squad of commandos behind enemy lines and do you know what I, i i think he explains it better than i do when you join my command, you take on debit. A debit you owe me, personally. Each and every man under my command owes me 100 Nazi scalps. And I want my scalps. And all y'all will get me 100 Nazi scalps, taken from the heads of 100 dead Nazis. Or you will die trying. I'm indifferent about this movie. I, yeah. I, I, I don't overly care for it, I think. Um, it's something that I've watched, I've enjoyed to an extent. I always enjoy Brad Pitt in kind of a bit more of a bonkers sort of out there role. You've heard <laughs> that very much from that clip. I like the fact that Quentin Tarantino is in it as the first scalped Nazi as well, mm. <laughs> if you didn't spot Oh, it. sorry, I think you mean Nazi. Nazi, sorry. Nazi. Nazi. N-A-T-S-W-E, I think is how they pronounce it, isn't it? This this was a movie that kind of hit the time in which Christoph Waltz was really in a big bubble of heyday mm. kind of stuff for him. And, you know, you kind of go and watch this movie and you kind of go, you see the cast and you know it's Tarantino and you're like, yeah, I'm going to love this. But there's always an expectation with Tarantino, isn't there? And if it doesn't quite there fill is. it... You feel a bit flat, and maybe that's kind of how I felt afterwards. Well, this also, we, we tend to forget this about the film. This was the sort of mainstream breakout, really, for Michael Fassbender as well. Mm, yeah, I mean, yeah, I, when I say I'm indifferent about this, like, there is a great cast. It's like I've said, yeah, you've got, you've got Michael Fassbender, you've got Diane Kruger in it, who's brilliant as well. Um, there's Gre- Daniel Brawl is in this Mike Myers I mean let's go through this this is insane oh I forgot about him in this yeah exactly Julie Dreyfus is in this as well uh, there's there's so many great actors in this um, oh, and Eli Roth let's never forget that Eli Roth is Eli in this Roth. please don't forget yeah, Eli no. Roth because we all know how much fun he is to be on a film set after this week don't we oh that is news that I haven't looked up oops oh, whatever you do 
don't, because you will vomit in the back of your own mouth. Okay. Uh, well, moving swiftly on then. Look, guys, you, you there are Tarantino films uh, fans out there who will watch absolutely everything that Tarantino puts up there as a celebrity director, should we say. And <laughs> you will love it because it's Tarantino. But then sometimes you'll be someone like me who thinks there are much better Tarantino films than others. And this falls into the middle ground for me. I, do you know what? I would go with that as well. I don't think it's one of his worst. I don't think it's one of his best, but it's just fine. Yeah. And you know what? ITV4, Thursday night, 11, 10. If you've not seen it, it's 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 something unique. I'll give it that. Uh, let's move on to Friday and close out the week with... Uh, one of your favourite directors. Yeah, every hipster's favourite director. It's uh, <laughs> Greta Gerwig's Lady Bird. I, I'm, not, I'm not ragging on this film because I quite like this film. Yeah. I don't like the cult of Greta Gerwig. Uh. Because I'm sorry, if anybody else in the universe had directed Little Women, you would not have heard about it. Um, so, Lady Bird, BBC Two, 9pm on Friday night. Maybe not the kind of film to rock out to on a Friday night, but if you're sat at home watching a film anyway, why not watch a good one? This is, of course, the story of Lady Bird, played by Sir Ronan, who would work with Greta Gerwig again a couple of years later on Little Women. And uh, basically, it's for her last year before going off to college. And it's the awkward teen... It's not that awkward phase, isn't it? The, the last yeah. year of school. How she wants to be remembered. How she wants to move on with her life. And more importantly, how she wants to deal with the relationship she has with her mother. I want to go where culture is, but like how New in the York, world did I raise such or at least snob. Connecticut or New Hampshire, well, where writers live in the get woods. Get into those schools anyway. Mom! You can't even pass your driver's test. Because you wouldn't let me practice The way enough. that you work, or the, or the way that you don't work, you're not even worth state tuition, Christine. My name is Lady Bird. Uh, well, actually, it's not, and it's ridiculous. Call me Lady Bird like Christine. you said you would. Just, you should just go to City College. You know, with your work ethic, just go to City College, and then to jail, and then back to City College, and then maybe you'd learn to pull yourself up and not expect everybody to do everything. <laughs> Okay, so when you for for the generation that are kind of teens around this time that Lady Bird came out, right? This, oh, because it's, it's set in the nineties, isn't it? It is set in the nineties, but let me tell you, like as a teenager in the nineties, okay, you were that you were flooded with films like Ten Things I Hate About You, um, shows like Dawson's Creek, where everyone seemed older, more wiser than you were, one hundred and ten percent. And this is exactly kind of what this film does again, but it's for the wrong audience because really in some respects teenagers now are so savvy they're so mature they're so kind of out there on TikTok and whatever that actually I'm not sure how many of them will actually get this and feel inspired by it whereas if I'd have watched this movie as I was growing up in the 90s this would have been my jam right this would have been the thing that I would have loved um, at the time so for now it's a bit of a nostalgic kind of throwback feel to it going I wish where am I going to have my teen years again I would have been this cool and this this forthright and this like knowing what I wanted to do with my life and it's just not real <laughs> but, I, but what I think does make it real is the mum played brilliantly by Laurie Metcalf in this Roseanne yes. very much Laurie Metcalf she is every mother nowadays who is having to deal with an upstart full of it teenager who knows what she wants and wants to be called sodding ladybird for the whole time <laughs> You know what? I, I think you hit the nail on the head sharper and harder than I possibly could there. <laughs> uh, but Lady Bird, you know, it was, it was very acclaimed upon its release. Yeah. And I think a lot of, you know, the cult of Greta Gerwig does come out of this movie. Um, so, you know, you can make up your own mind. 9pm BBC2 this next Friday. I think that's a pretty good lineup for the week. You know, because we've gone from, you know, 90s disease to 90s set teen drama. So also, you know, you've got Timothy Chalamet as uh, Manic Pixie Dream Boy in there. Well, in terms of the cult of Greta Gerwig, you know, you see that, that you know, the pairing of Saoirse Ronan and Greta Gerwig, but also Timothy Chalamet. We see mm. him as Teddy in Little Women. And the thing that ages me about this is that I love the Winona Ryder, um, Christian Bale, uh, Little Women. <laughs> And then when I look at Timothy Chalamet playing Teddy and I'm like, you're too young. It's not right. It feels wrong. <laughs> uh, you know, as far as that 90s nostalgia trip goes, don't forget, we are going to have to review a re another version of The Secret Garden in the coming months. So we have got that to look forward to as well. Good Lord, make me in my 40s right now. That's exactly <laughs> what this is. Right. OK, we're going to be back with you coming up very shortly with some more DVD, Blu-rays and streaming options for you. So we're keeping you covered all the way through lockdown.
Welcome back to Off Screen. We're now talking about all of your home entertainment and video on demand offerings that you've got on DVD, Blu-ray and streaming. So before we do that, though, um, Van in the little commercial break that we had there has just been informing me, are we we are not technically in lockdown, which I have to say I agree. But I do feel that there is a bit of a social conscience out there to remind all of you lovely lot that are listening that <laughs> that we are not sure that cinemas are safe yet. They do. They are showing your, your kind of old school movies. They've got the classic things, but but we're not going in the cinemas yet because we don't feel it's at the right standard to keep. We can't trust people to not keep the masks on for two hours. I mean, why would you? Why would you want to keep the mask on for two hours? It's not very comfortable. And how can you enjoy a film doing it? So I still think it, we are still locked down. Well, that's it as well. I mean, I, I think I had this out with Jamie East on Talk Radio a few weeks ago when when because he was talking about how he'd been to screenings and I'd, I'd asked him about whether or not they enforce the mask thing and he didn't know. And I went, I'm sorry, but you can't trust the average person to keep a mask on for 20 minutes in Tesco. Asking them to do it for two hours and 45 minutes of Tenet seems an unreasonable expectation. Yeah, exactly. So I'm with you on that. So it's not that we don't want to push and promote and bring movies back to cinema as soon as possible. We absolutely 100% do. We want to get back to our day jobs. The thing is, we our first priority is to make sure that everyone's safe. And right now, the precautions, we don't think, are necessarily there yet. So we'll have to wait and see. Also, I, I'm sorry, but of all the ways I would potentially die. I don't want to die seeing New Mutants. That's not a thing I ever want. I don't want it on my memorial or whatever, whatever statue of the dude in the blazer with the iPhone they erected in my honour, presumably. Uh, I don't want it written on the plaque underneath, died because he saw New Mutants. That just seems idiotic. Anyway, <laughs> sticking with the uh, the comic book theme, let's let's talk about what's on DVD, uh, the DVD and Blu-ray uh, this coming Monday the 17th, because we have got a comic book movie. We do. We've got an animated DC feature film. It is Deathstroke, Knights and Demons. I had intended to review this uh, for its digital release uh, which was I think was two weeks ago uh, didn't get to it in time I'm now reviewing it for the, the disc release instead Ooh, this is it's not oh. Knights and Demons it's Knights and Dragons Knights and Dragons Knights and Demons I'm sorry uh, you know I went, I went all Dungeons and Dragons just then I was like oh that's piqued my interest <laughs> 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 Knights and Dragons for anyone looking at Knights and Dragons yeah, Knights and Demons what am I thinking of um, do you know what it is it's because I was reading about Tales from the Crypt Demon Knight yesterday that's, Ooh, that's why because Good. Yes. Okay. Mm. Uh, so this is animated movie from DC, uh, following the sort of anime infused style that they brought in the sort of past five or six years with the whole New 52 movement. This has the voice talents of Michael Chiklis as Deathstroke, the assassin who, if you only know live-action films, you wouldn't know this character other than for a fleeting cameo at the very, very end of Justice League, in which he's played by Joe Manganiello. If you know the TV shows, on Arrow, he's been played by uh, Manu Bennett, uh, he's the primary villain on the second season of Titans, and there's a bunch of animated versions and things like that, but he's the sort of hockey mask-wearing master assassin with an eye patch. Um, he's all joined here by the likes of Sasha Alexander from NCIS. Uh, you've got a cast that also includes Colin Salmon as well, who incidentally is also a, an Arrowverse alumni. The idea here is that Deathstroke is forced to uh, come out of, uh, out of the shadows after having abandoned his family for a decade when his son is kidnapped by a former enemy returned from the dead. It's pretty decent. I mean, the script is a little ropey at times. This began life as a sort of short-form animated series for uh, CW Seed, as it's called. I think they then decided to just edit it together and make it into a feature film. It's about on par with, I would say, the recent Mortal Kombat animated films, because we, we have these kind of films on a lot in the flat at home. And uh, they're, they're pretty enjoyable. They're usually sort of PG-13 language barrier. You get the occasional F-bomb. I, I like it. There's a decent amount of characterization to it. I would just say the script is just a little creaky at times. Okay. And despite the fact that Michael Chiklis has been cast as Destro, which should be amazing casting, you actually can't tell that it's Michael Chiklis for most of the film. I will say that. Okay. All right. Well, that sounds like an interesting one. We'll have to wait and see when that one comes out. Uh, that's available from Monday. Um, another film which I think we've talked about previously on this and you quite enjoyed is Come As You Are. Uh, which is um, about a travelling nurse that takes three disabled men on a road trip um, so they can lose their virginity at a brothel. 
a, a brothel a brothel that specifically caters to the handicap that is the concept of the movie now this is based on a true story which is then then got turned into i think it was a brazilian movie which then got turned into a norwegian movie which has now been turned into a North American movie. So if you're still following after all of that trail, here's kind of the tone we're going for. Yeah, it's my parents. Take mine out, will you? Wait, what happened? Where is it? It's, uh, it's in the pouch. <sighs> Dude, it's your mom too. Toss it. What? Seriously, toss it out the window. They can track us. It's a cost of freedom. Do it. You too. Did he just throw his phone out? Mo, yeah. Did he just throw my phone Mo, out? Throw Mo, it. throw I'm your phone out. My mom no, knows man. you. She knows it's your mom. Toss it. They can track us now. Do it. What was that? It's my SIM card. I threw out my SIM card. Oh, that's a better idea. So stupid. Yeah, obviously, throw the SIM card out. Throw, don't throw out the phone, idiots. Um, so, do you remember the film Road Trip? Like, yes, yes, very, very much. Yeah. Yes, yes, I'm sure you do. Is it? I feel like it's that, but obviously skewed slightly differently to, with the disabled angle. It, it kind of is. It kind of is like that, actually. It, down to them having like a van slash bus. Um, it's it's got a bit more. It leans obviously more on the dramedy side of this. Incidentally, I was talking about Road Trip not two days ago yeah. uh, with Cal- with Calvin because we were talking about the series Star Girl and how how sort of how deeply it wounds me to learn that Amy that enough time has passed that Amy Smart can now convincingly play the forty something mother of a teenage girl. No. <laughs> yeah, I know, and I and I had to explain to him like you need to understand that you know as far as I, as far as my mind goes. Amy Smart is still like taking her top off in teen comedies. Yeah. Like that's where my as far as as far as my mind is concerned, that's still the day and age we live in. But yeah. uh, um, yes, I mean it's, it's a good time, very funny, very heartfelt. I uh, didn't shed a tear, but I did laugh my ass off. Um, great supporting cast in there. You got Janine Garofalo's uh, in there. Uh, Rex Lee from Dexter's in there as well. Um, I thought this was a really good one. If you've not seen this, I do recommend checking it. It's the kind of thing, if, if Blockbuster was still a thing, I would definitely recommend this as a rental. But if you get the chance to see this, absolutely do. It's a good time. Are people, uh, the question I've got for it is, are people going to be offended by it because of the nature of it and the comedy? No, no, no. It's 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 very it's very thoughtful. It's very considered. It's very sensitive. Uh, it handles it handles in particular the disability element of it very very well. I think. Good. Okay, that's all we need to know. So there we go. That's come as you are. That is going to be available also from Monday. Now we're going to move on to streaming. Um, the Last Samurai is on Amazon Prime from Saturday. Um, gosh, Tom. Tom Cruise as a samurai. Talk about cultural <laughs> appropriation. Um, this is um, an interesting one if we think about it. He um, he plays Captain Nathan Algren, who is hired to train the Japanese army to fight the samurai rebellion. I mean, of course, that's what you naturally do. The samurais need some training from Tom Cruise. Brilliant. Um, but he ends up embracing the same Three. samurai culture uh, which was signed. He was assigned to destroy. So it's it's a samurai with a heart. Well, that's it. I mean, this is directed by James Mangold. Uh, I remember thinking that Ken Watanabe was absolutely terrific in this because uh, I think he is sort of the leader of the, uh, the sort of the, the whatever the samurai equivalent of clan would be that uh, Tom Cruise falls in with. Um, this is the movie that often gets named when people want an example of white saviour complex in movies. This is one that comes up very often in relation to that trope in films. Worth checking out, I think it's very good. Uh, Same day as well on Amazon Prime. Very, very different movie. And also, incidentally, starring in a supporting role, Greta Gerwig. So I know you, you were know, shocked before by she it. became the last. Yeah, well, you know, before she became the last great savior of all art in cinema, turns out that she did star in trashy comedies as well, namely No Strings Attached, in which Ashton Kutcher and Natalie Portman are platonic friends who start having sex only to struggle with their feelings. And you know, this is never going to work. Why not? Because clearly you're going to fall in love with me. Oh, really? Well. Then we just do this until one of us feels something more. And then we stop. Well, it won't be me. It won't be me. Good luck with that. Hey, hey. We're sex friends. Friends who have sex. That's not possible. 
First of all, that line is the most inspired gag in that movie, I think. Um, there were two of these movies at the same time, if yes. you remember. There was No Strings Attached and Friends with Benefits. Uh, Friends with Timberlake. Benefits was Mila Kunis and Justin Timberlake, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, in the case of both of these movies, um, I, I do often think they were just completely miscast because it was just so ridiculously implausible that... Neither would fall for the other. I mean, I'm in love with Natalie Portman, and I've never slept with her. So, one of those things. Um, you can find out for yourself uh, Saturday, uh, this coming Saturday, 15th, on Amazon Prime. If you want to double bill it with The Last Samurai, you can go right ahead. I'll just call it an unusual afternoon if you do. Um, but also on Amazon Prime. <laughs> <laughs> on, on, Thursday, on Thursday, the 20th. I mean, could you imagine double billing those two? <laughs> I mean, I'd just be exhausted in all sorts of ways, shapes, and forms. Um, and so, <laughs> but moving on, then let's round off our show today with, with with a great movie. Okay, so this is gone in sixty seconds. We talk about this often. It's a classic, isn't it? It is an absolute classic. So we're not going to spend too much time on it, but it is on Amazon Prime from Thursday. Um, it is obviously Nicolas Cage, Angelina Jolie, the iconic movie that made you get into really fast cars, even before the Fast and the Furious, in some way, shape, or form. Um, it's a, it follows a former prisoner who returns to the crime world to save um, a life when. He learns that his brother faces a threat from a big old gangster. It's gone in sixty seconds. Uh, this was I remember. I remember seeing the trailer for this. I just saw the trailer just before I finished high school. Uh, great movie, lots of fun. Christopher Eccleston as a villain is one of my favourite things ever. I think he's Raymond Kalitri. I think his name is Delroy yeah. Lindo as the cop chasing him. I think is a lot of fun as well. And Timothy Olafantastic is in this as the sort of cop sidekick. Big fan of him as well. And of course, no movie is complete without the icon of douchery that is Scott Kahn, who of course turns up in this. Uh, gone in 60 seconds. I thought you were going to say Vinnie Jones. <laughs> Just then. <laughs> no, I, I read an interview with Vinnie Jones recently in which he discussed what happened to his uh, his performance as Juggernaut in X-Men The Last Stand, so I'm going to stop tearing into Vinnie Jones for the rest of my life now. I Fair think enough. he's suffered enough. <laughs> uh, so no, you can, you can catch that uh, on Thursday on Amazon Prime as well. If you've, uh, if you've not seen it in a while it does hold up i really i watched it again i think last year for the first time in a long time and it's it's a grand old time it's gone in 60 seconds uh, well worth it and part of the uh, jerry brookheimer canon yes of the late 90s that gave us such classes as the rock uh con air you know enemy of the state crimson tide things like that uh, very worthy addition to that canon so that's uh, that's your streaming repertoire for the week anyway i think the same day we have got the sleepover that's going to be on netflix on friday the 21st but we'll We'll save that for the actual reviews next week. We'll give that a proper review, I think, as well. Yeah, absolutely. So that is it. That is rounded up your seven-day guide to everything movies here on Offscreen. Uh, this has been a really fun week. Some really good choice picks. Some not-so-great ones on cinema and digital, so with baby teeth. Out of <laughs> but you know what? If you want to throw back to the 90s, you've got Outbreak. And then if you want to throw back to the 70s, you've got Kong Skull Island with that wonderful aesthetic that it shows you there. Uh, if you want to feel aged, you've got a little if bit... If you want to throw back to the 1940s, you've got English glorious bastards yeah exactly but you know what if you just want to feel old gladiator is the one for you because <laughs> it is 20 years this year since that came out god that makes me feel so old anyway i've been bex perfect i've been van connor and this has been off screen we shall return <laughs> <laughs>